this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to the New Books Network. 21 days after my dad died, a bird perched on the railing of my balcony. It was brown. It stayed there for a long time. Hi, Dad, I said. Thanks for checking up on me. I lay down on the couch and read some emails on my phone. When I looked up again, the bird was gone. Thanks for tuning into the New Books Network. I'm G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, one of the network's many channels. Today I'm talking to Pik Xuan Fung about her debut novel, Ghost Forest. In this slim, moving novel, a young woman is saddened after her father dies. To recall that she could have been a better daughter, she thinks back over her life living with her mother in Canada while her father continued to work in Hong Kong traveling during summer vacation and not feeling at home anywhere. She listens to stories her grandmother tells about her own very difficult life and stories her mother tells about when she was young. And she remembers her younger sister requiring daily injections and countless visits to the hospital as a child. Ultimately, she hopes that her father has forgiven her. Hi, Pikshwen. Thanks for, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Galit. Thank you so much for inviting me on. So how did you come to write this story? Hmm. I am actually trained as a painter. So I painted for many years and I studied visual art in college and in grad school. And during grad school, I started to question my entire practice I started wondering if I wanted to continue being a painter and why I was painting, what kind of artist did I want to become. So it was kind of this disorienting time. And in between my first and second year of grad school, my father passed away. So I was grieving and it was this hazy, dreamlike experience for me to be in grief. And one day I just sat down and I wrote out a vignette. And because I was in art school, I wasn't thinking about writing a novel. I would just wrote because it came out. And I thought about how I could turn that into an artwork. So I recorded myself reading the vignette out loud. And then I used that as voiceover for a video art piece. And after a while, um, 
I wrote more and more of these vignettes and I really enjoyed this process of writing. And I realized that I didn't even want to think about the visual elements anymore. So the vignettes accumulated and I started shaping it into this book. That is so interesting. Why didn't you give the protagonist a name? Hmm. Yeah, I actually didn't really name any of the characters in the entire book. I mean, I know that the mother, grandmother and father are referred and sister are referred to um, by their in by their relationship with the narrator, but the reason I didn't want to name any of the characters was because I felt like it could simultaneously create this feeling of intimacy, but also of distance. And I really wanted to create a lot of space in the book as well, where people could bring their own experiences and hopefully see themselves in the different characters. Mm -hmm. Can you say more about why the sisters are taken to Canada before 1997? Yeah, there was... um, at the time, a mass migration out of Hong Kong um, to countries in the West, uh, like Canada, the US, Australia, UK, because 1997 was when Hong Kong was um, given back to China after it was a British colony. And a lot of people in Hong Kong at the time They weren't sure what life would look like and how things might change. And it became this very common thing for families to immigrate abroad and get um, foreign citizenship. Mm -hmm. The father expresses regret that the daughters, that his daughters don't share Chinese language, culture and history. So why didn't the parents convey those things? Yeah, I think that something I hope to capture in this book is that a lot of times um, we don't really think about all these nuances of immigrating and it's not fully planned out. A lot of times it's just this gut decision or um, like a quick decision that the family makes together to immigrate and no one really knows what the experience is, is going to be like because they never immigrated before. And yeah, I don't think that um, the parents in this story could have foreseen what their kids would have grown up, would grow up like. And um, they didn't think that far in advance about it. Mm, yeah. The narrator um, takes an internship in Hong Kong one summer, and she attends art classes in Hangzhou during her junior year abroad. Are those things that you also did? And they those are things that make it seem like she is interested in Chinese culture. So why does her father think that she isn't? <laughs> yeah, I think that that is one part of the novel where the narrator is trying really hard to live up to certain expectations um, from her father in that way. And 
it's kind of like this gap that's not bridgeable. And to answer your um, earlier part of the question, I did uh, take a lot of art classes growing up and I have spent some time in Hangzhou myself. It's ah. a really, really beautiful place. Okay. Um, let's talk about art. Your ghost forest is also the title of a painting that the narrator, and I'm assuming also you created. Why did you choose that one for the title of the book? Hmm. That's a really hard question. <laughs> I would say that it came from more of an intuitive impulse to choose that for the book. But the reason why I love that it's the title of the book is because I think that there's so many different definitions of ghost that are layered throughout the novel. It's not just ghosts in like the Halloween sense of the word, but things that haunt us and memories and the ghosts of the people that parents used to be, grandparents used to be, um, stories that we hear a bit of but never really see for ourselves and pain that gets passed along through generations. So I think that in that way, um, the ghost part of the title, I felt really worked. And as for um, why I chose the to put the painting, because the painting titled Ghost Forest is not really that prominent of a part of the book. It just takes place um, in one of the chapters in the middle. But it's also a painting in which the narrator is riding on this brown bird through a forest. So it's kind of surreal and dreamlike. And I think those qualities are qualities I hope um, readers experience in the book as well. Yeah, I did. That That's true. It was very dreamlike. Um, in addition to the narrator, the grandmother also was an artist of some kind. And I want to know what, what role does art play in your life now? Hmm. I haven't made any art seriously in a few years now, probably because I'm not very good at multitasking and I've just been focused on writing this novel for the last seven years. I would say that for me, I see art as something that nourishes me and has a great influence on my writing practice. I love to go look at art in my free time. I still have a lot of friends who are artists that I met in grad school. So I'd say that it, it's something that's really important part of my life, but I'm not actively making art these days. Okay. You never know when it'll come back, right? Yeah, for sure. Like I, after I finish with this book tour, maybe I'll go back to making art again. Hopefully. It's all possible, right? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, 
Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Um, the narrator seems to be raised with a lot of religious... Um, a lot of religion. I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's Buddhism. Uh, what role does it play in her life? Could you explain it a little more? Sure. I think that the way Buddhism is practiced in a lot of um, Hong Kong families is different from the way that Americans view religion because it's so ingrained into the culture and it's not like um it's not like this family is going to the temple all the time or or studying any of the buddhist texts but it's just something that is such an important part of the family and um i think the the values of buddhism like like everything is interconnected is something that it influences um, the family's beliefs as well. Mm. The narrator's grandmother only went to school for one year of her life, but she knows more Chinese characters than anyone else in the family. Can you explain that, how that happened? Yeah, so in the book, the grandmother, because she grows up during the Japanese occupation of Hong Kong and she was extremely poor and her parents separated. She only got to attend one year of school, which was third grade. However, um, at some point during the Japanese occupation, she couldn't go to school anymore. So she was living in this apartment by herself that was split into many rooms and her mother rented this apartment for her. And one of the neighbors saw that the grandmother didn't have anything to do, so gave her all these classical Chinese novels uh, like Romance of the Three Kingdoms and The Story of the Stone. And the grandmother just teaches herself how to read even though she had only gone to one year of school. That was really beautiful. That, that part, I loved that. Thank Why you. does the narrator worry about not having said, I love you enough? Can you describe the cultural differences they, that are spoken of between um, North American culture and Hong Kong culture about saying, I love you? Yeah, it's just not very common to express affection by saying I love you in most Hong Kong families as far as I know and in this book at one point the narrator tries very hard to say I love you to her father and tries even harder to hear it back and the reason why I wrote this chapter was because I wanted to capture this experience of growing up in both 
And one, one part of immigrating as a whole family is that the entire family has to experience adapting to the new culture. But in this novel, the family is an astronaut family and the father stays in Hong Kong the whole time. So he never really has to see what it's like to really adapt to living in Canada. And so the distance between the daughter and the father, it's not only generational and geographical, but also cultural. So that scene that I wrote was really um, trying to show the, the daughter, trying to express that she really wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. So after the father dies, the funeral customs seem extremely strange to the narrator. The burning of pretend money, the shouting, relatives yelling about what to do, the preparation of the place settings. Is that all from Buddhism or are these specifically Chinese traditions? Mm -hmm. I think so. I have not been to very many funerals, but I imagine that they're unusual for a lot of people in general because it's not something that um, it's not something that we're we're used to in the way that we might be with like a wedding or or a birthday party or something. And so I don't think that the narrator necessarily found it strange, but more like new and unexpected. And I would say that the traditions that I wrote about um, in the funeral in the book, it's a combination. There's Buddhist rituals, but there's also um, Taoist funeral rites. And I think it's just like a mixture. And um, it was held in this location called the Hong Kong Funeral Home, which is a, an actual place in Hong Kong. Um, and they organize everything for the families that go there. Um, um, so I would say that the, the funeral, oh, so I would say that the way I wrote the funeral is inspired by my own experience of a funeral in Hong Kong Um, and it's a mixture of different customs that, um, people in Hong Kong follow. Ah, so it it wasn't all at one, it wouldn't have been all at one funeral that all those things happened. It can be, it it depends. Yeah, it depends. Well, my favorite part was the relatives yelling about what to do. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was kind of funny in a not funny way. So, okay. Um, why does the narrator bring up forgiveness toward the end? What's going on? Mm, I think that forgiveness is something that is a universal question that comes up. And especially after a loved one passes away, I think that I was more interested in exploring this idea of forgiveness and asking questions about it than trying to guide the reader towards 
any specific type of takeaway or conclusion because I personally think that it's different for everyone and there's no correct or better way to think about forgiveness. But in the context of this book, I really just wanted to capture the questions and misunderstandings and missed opportunities that the narrator reflected on after her father passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, I think you did a really good job of that. Um, towards the end, you discuss the pre-marriage hair ceremony. It is so sweet. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, it's a custom um, before a woman gets married to have this hair ceremony where a female relative, sometimes the mother, but it can also be the grandmother or the aunt. Um, In this book, it's the mother. And uh, there is a traditional hair ceremony set um, that includes a comb and a mirror and incense and candles. And the idea is that the elder female relative combs the hair of the bride-to-be three times. And each time the comb runs through the hair, the female relative will say um, a different blessing. So the blessings are, um, may you be blessed with a long marriage, may you be blessed with children and grandchildren, and may you be blessed with a long life. So it's just a really beautiful way for the women in the family and to give the blessings to the bride-to-be. Oh, it was, I, I just might steal that whole custom and use it at my daughter's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks for the idea. Uh, just it was a just a charming, lovely, wonderful first debut, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to do next. So, what are you working on next? That's a great question. I spent seven years writing Ghost Forest, so right now I'm just taking time to rest and read and explore what I might want to do next. I just, to be completely honest, I'm just taking a break now. You're exhausted from the process. (laughs) That's what I'm hearing. You deserve a break. It's a great idea. Thank you. but, But when you get ready to, when you finish your next novel and it's about to be published, will you call me again and let me know so I can interview you again? Of course. Okay. Thanks, Big Shwen. It was lovely talking to you. Thank you so much, Glee. It was so lovely talking to you. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking with author Pik Xuan Fung about her novel, Ghost Forest. Hope you're all able to lose yourself in a good book today and tomorrow, too. Happy reading. <laughs>